today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Tell you what, no matter what you've got going in your life, whatever journey you may be on, whatever part of your journey you might be on, as a believer, you need to have the full assurance, the full confidence and knowledge that your God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. In the worst of times, in the darkest of times, when it is most silent, When Joshua became the new leader of the Israelites, there were a lot of challenges ahead of him. But the Lord encouraged him, speaking over and over again, I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. So often in our lives, we face situations that seem overwhelming and beyond our abilities. Today we learn with Pastor David that Joshua actually believed what God said and walked in that faith. And because he believed, he was able to enter the promised land. God blesses our faith and our obedience. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Joshua Intro Part 2. Continue on. Actually, we're continuing on with an introduction. We went to an introduction of the book of Joshua last week. So you can kind of look at this one as part two as we look at it. And the reason is because there's just so much within the book of Joshua to come and jump right in the middle of it without a little bit of background. For some, you may know the book of Joshua. You may know the situation. Absolutely. Uh, you've got it down. You could probably come up and teach it with no problem. Others of you think, well, I don't know. I haven't done much in the Old Testament at all. I'm not really sure what all is going on in the book of Joshua. So as we get into this, let me first of all kind of give you a bit of a time frame, a time frame of when the book of Joshua and the events of the book of Joshua are happening. As far as timelines go for Joshua, biblical scholars actually differ quite a bit. Archaeologists have come out and they said that uh, what has been held as the standard for years and years may be totally wrong. And so archaeologists are trying to change what has been held as the understanding that the exodus took place around the 1400 B.C. areas, around 1450 B.C. For years and years, biblical scholars have believed that that was the time frame. Archaeologists in the study of Tells, which are cities that have been buried uh, over the centuries, they've said, no, we, we found a lot of cities that have been burnt in that whole area of what was known then as Canaan. And as we've done the test, it seems like those burned out cities actually happened in the 1200s. So surely the exodus and the invasion into Cana of the people of Israel during that time must have happened in the 1200s. The problem with that is, 
when we look at the biblical account, Israel didn't burn that many cities. They only burnt about three cities. The rest of them, they inhabited. They took for themselves. So there must have been something else that was going on. Those that speak of an early exodus speak that it's around the 1450 B.C. time frame. That's what I believe. I believe that the Bible shows that fairly clearly. There's a lot of strong biblical evidence that states that that original exodus from Egypt took place around 1450. Or, as we read in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, that it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt. So, okay, here is a time frame, 480 years, that it was in the fourth year of Solomon's reign in Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. So, history and archaeologists can go back and they know what year that the building of the temple took place when Solomon became king of Israel. So if you back up 480 years, that brings you into that 1450 time frame. But then others say, oh, well, no, they're just talking generally 450 or 480 years. Well, no, they're not talking because, again, nowhere else in the Bible would it use a year like 480 years as a general thing. They might say hundreds of years, 50 years, round terms. But it says specifically in 1 Kings chapter 6, 480th year after the children of Israel left out of the land of Egypt. So since the exodus from Egypt took place about 480 years before Solomon began to build the temple, then you add about 40 years of their wandering in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt. That would bring us to about 1410 to 1400 as the approximate time that the children of Israel are about to actually go into the promised land. That when we look at the book of Joshua, we are looking right at a time frame of around 1400 B.C. So if it was 1400 B.C., some say actually around 1406 that God commissioned Joshua as the new leader of the 12 tribes of Israel. If you got your Bible with you, and hopefully you got your Bible, turn to the book of Joshua, and there in chapter 1, in verse 1, we read, After the death of Moses, the Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Now, We're not going to get into the territory tonight. We'll look at that in later weeks. But the territory that was promised to Abraham, 
the territory that the Lord told Joshua to go and take is a whole lot bigger than what Israel is right now. If you look at it, they're saying all the way from the river Euphrates, which is in Iran right now. You'd go all through Syria. You would go then on into Israel. You'd take in the area of Lebanon. You'd uh, even have uh, a lot of good portion of uh, Jordan, all of this area, and all the way down into land right now that is Egypt. The Lord gave that land to Abraham, and we'll, I won't go on a too much of a side journey there because we will cover it later. Well, it would have been during that, that year, 1406, that they crossed over the Jordan, they began their conquest into the cities and into the kingdoms of Canaan. In all, the conquest took about seven years to complete. Around the time of 1399 BC, we have pretty much most all of the tribal lands allotted out, and pretty much relative peace in the area. And then Joshua dies sometimes a few years shortly after that. Once they finally get in, get settled in that peace, it's not much longer after that that Joshua dies. But before we get to Joshua's death, let's look at his life. His original name was Hosea or Hosea. Hosea with S-H or Hosea. And that means salvation or deliverance. But we find that Moses actually changed his name back in Numbers chapter 13 as he prepared to send out the 12 spies into the promised land. Verse 16 of Numbers 13 says, And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now the Hebrew word Joshua or Yeshua means Yahweh or Jehovah saves. Yahweh delivers. Now when the Hebrew text was then translated into the Greek, what's known as the Septuagint. His name was translated Jesus. In the Greek, it's Jesus, which is the same as in the Greek New Testament for Jesus, which is simply an English transliteration of the Greek, Jesus. So, Yeshua, which is our English transliteration, Joshua, had been the second in command with Moses as they led the Hebrew people out of Egypt. He had been with Moses since he was a young man. He was the only one to be with Moses when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to meet with Jehovah. Joshua, Yeshua, Jehovah saves, along with Caleb, were the only one of the 12 spies that that brought back a good report and a positive report about the promised land. It was because of their faith in what they knew that God had promised them that these two men were able to go into the promised land 40 years later. All the rest of them died. That whole generation died. But because these two men believed that what God said was true, God blessed their faith and their obedience to his word. You need to know, I need to know, we need to continually be reminded, God awards obedience and faith. And when we walk in obedience, when we walk in faith, it has its own reward. Here, again, a whole generation passed away because they believed the report of the ten spies who didn't have faith and who didn't believe God's promises. Well, as Moses was coming to the close of his life, while they were still on the far side of the Jordan, before they entered into the promised land, 
Moses and Joshua went together into the tent of meeting, into the tabernacle of the desert. They went in there to meet with Jehovah. If you're at Joshua, just go to your left a little bit to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. And down in verse 14, we read these words. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Now, how'd you like that for a word from the Lord for you? Okay. <laughs> Moses, your time's up. Okay. So call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. And so Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. So it was here where, where God began this transfer of leadership from Moses, the one who is the servant of God, over to Joshua. But before he does the transfer, God gives them both a little bit of an overview of what to expect in these coming years. In essence, hey, hey I want you to do this job, but first let me tell you what you're going to run into. Okay, I think every job that we have, it'd be nice to know what we're going to run into. Well, God gives them that. Listen to what he speaks here, beginning in verse 16 of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Here is God's job description to Joshua, in essence. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you're going to rest with your fathers. And this people, they will rise and they will play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me. They will break my covenant, which I've made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, in that they have turned to other gods. Verse 19, Now therefore... Write down this song. You're not going to write notes. You're not going to write a book. No, I want you to learn a song. And I want you to teach it to the people. And he says, write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, Then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. And then it shall be, verse 21, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give them. Wow. Here's your job. Let me ask you this. Do you remember any songs from your youth, from your teenage years? Yeah. If you've been in church for very long, if you grew up in a church that uh, you sang a lot of hymns, man, there's probably a lot of hymns you could almost 
sing verbatim because they've just been ingrained with you. Songs even from our youth, whether it be a popular song, secular song, or a hymn or a church song. Songs have a way of working themselves into our brains. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's telling Moses, hey Moses, I want you to write this song. I want you to teach it to the people. And then the people are going to learn that song. They're going to have it in their head so that when they get into the promised land and they start behaving badly, all of a sudden that song is going to come to them and say, wow. The Lord knew exactly what was going to happen in our lives. So after God gives them the lowdown on what's going to be happening and what to expect, then he speaks to Joshua these words of encouragement, the words of encouragement that we looked at last week. I would need words of encouragement at that point in time. He says, look, I want you to take this job, but this is going to be the worst job you've ever had in your life. These people are going to be absolute you know, fools. They're going to reject. They're going to go away. And yet you're going to be the leader of that. And then he says in verse 23 to Joshua, he says, Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to you. And then he says, And I will be with you. Tell you what, no matter what you've got going in your life, whatever journey you may be on, whatever part of your journey you might be on, As a believer, you need to have the full assurance, the full confidence and knowledge that your God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. In the worst of times, in the darkest of times, when it is most silent, the worst things you and I can have are silent nights. Amen? Silent nights when it's so dark we can't see beyond our face and so quiet we can hear our heart beating and we don't hear God. It's then that faith really needs to be evidenced in our lives. That though I don't see him in this situation, though I don't hear him in this situation, I have absolute confidence that my God lives, that my God reigns. He is powerful and mighty to deliver. For all of us. And when he tells Joshua, he says, man, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be of good courage. I'm with you. So following this word of encouragement to Joshua from the Lord, Moses writes this song. The song all about the Lord, all about his people. And although it's not really a part of the book of Joshua at all, it's, it's found in Deuteronomy, I think it really is a part because it does help us to understand what Joshua is actually going to be dealing with even as we get into this book. So you should still be in Deuteronomy. Look with me, if you would, Deuteronomy chapter 32, the Song of Moses. No, we're not going to put it to a tune. We're not going to learn it tonight. But one of the things we're going to find out about it, it's people are not a whole lot of different today than they were back then. It's easy for us in our situation to look back at the children of Israel and say, those dummies, man, you know, how could they miss this? God parted the Red Sea, gave them dry land to go across, took out the Egyptian army. He led them through the wilderness with a pillar of fire and with a cloud during the day. How in the world could they not believe that God is able, God will lead, God will take care of them, God fed them manna, their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. God fought their battles for them even during that time. During a time of rebellion, God opened up the earth, swallowed a whole bunch of them. That would get my attention. Okay, If he opened up and he swallowed all you guys over there, I bet we would pay attention, wouldn't we? 
They should have known. But now let's pause for a moment. Just in our own life. As we've seen God work and move in our lives. Has God ever been faithful beyond your obedience? He has. A lot of times even in our own rebellion, God still comes through for us. God remains faithful even when we're not faithful. Why? Because he cannot and he will not deny himself. So when we look at this, as we're thinking of the children of Israel, why don't we think of ourselves too? Because it does. To me, it brings it home a whole lot more. I need to put myself in here first person a whole lot more than putting it off third person somebody else. Listen to what it says. Chapter 32. Moses' song. He spoke this in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel. The words of this song. He says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Oh, hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teachings drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops in the tender herbs, as showers in the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteousness, and upright is He. And by this time, the people are going, yes, amen, amen, hallelujah, wow, how great our God is. But now He gets to the second verse, okay? (laughs) They have corrupted themselves. They are not His children because of their blemish, a perverse and a crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found them in a desert place, in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled them. He instructed them. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him. And there is no foreign God with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth, that he may eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. That's an interesting prophecy right there, but we could look at that some other time. Curds from the cattle, milk of the flock with fat of lambs, the rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat, and you drank wine, the blood of the grapes. So here he is. He says, this song is about them as they go into the promised land. So he's saying, you know, he took you out of the wilderness and he's bringing you into all of this blessing. So remember that. Then he says, but Yeshurun, which is kind of a familiar name for Israel. You might have a pet name with your parents uh, of who you are, uh, Schnookums or, or Babyface or Darlin or whatever. Well, Jeshuran is a familiar name for the children of Israel. But Jeshuran grew fat and he kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. 
Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons and not to God. To gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the book of Joshua next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you Anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now, here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the book of Joshua. That's next time on The Open Word.